welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. It's working, is work, and we're live. There it is, Jennifer. I don't, Why I, I don't know. I never call you Jennifer. Like in your life. So anyway, everybody, it's Sunday Night Teacher Talk, which is because teachers love alliteration, so they like having multiple sounding words next to one another. Um, the idea here is that it's Sunday night. We're going to talk about teachery stuff and whatever else you want to talk about. But the reason we do this is because people don't like Sundays that are teachers. Uh, I have conferences tomorrow from 11 to 8. So... Uh -huh. I feel like people can be really worked up about that. Like people get anxious about that kind of thing. Um, and I know I have my ring light on tonight, so hopefully my face isn't gonna burn off like it usually feels like it's gonna do after an hour and a half of doing this. So look, on the front end, I see everyone jumping in there. Um, Tracy Pinterest fourth. I don't know what happened with her this week, but she got here. She's slipping. Yeah. <laughs> so look, if you, if we don't get to your question, right? We are trying to get through these and some of them I go off on a little bit of a rant and I don't get to the whole thing. But uh, just remember that there's a Facebook group available. Also, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk Facebook group. It is completely free. You just go in, you have to log in and like you have to like request to be a part of it. But as long as you answer all those questions, we just let you into it and then you can drop your question in there, get tons of answers. If you feel like that's not enough, that this isn't enough, that the video content's not enough, I also do uh, mentoring, so if your school wants to kind of help out with that or if you can have the means to do that, then I do private mentoring. It runs like anywhere from half hour sessions to hour sessions, as many times of the week as you think that you need. Um, but you can just like shoot me an email uh, and see if you know what my rates and availability are. And then also, if you want me to go speak somewhere, like your school has PD or something like that, because um, I think it's real funny, I heard a guy, someone emailed me and said that school hired someone to come in and talk and the guy showed four of my videos and then based the conversation around them. And I thought, why didn't, why didn't you just come have me come talk at your school and said, you know, hiring someone to show my videos. So anyway, um, that's available also. So uh, let's get into it. Wife. Someone said, when are we going to, uh, when can we hear you freestyle rap? Um, so actually Richard Royster is better at that. So you should go to his YouTube channel, hit him up and he will, I'll bet he would rap for you if you were over there. <laughs> I see Richard Royster in there. Uh -huh. That's what I said. Um, did you, the Indie Kitty, first question, not your secret wife. Did you get the wool balls? Did, we, did they come in? No, I didn't order them because I was busy. You said you told her you were know, ordering them right then. Thing ended. Then your live feed ended and we went to the other one. My order, it was up. It's in our cart. Just go order it. You are disappointing <laughs> We're such our fans. Well, because after this, we turn into like, parents. And the kids Right? It's like dinner, go. bed, bed. Uh, this is the first question. All right. So Piano Boy is asking, how do you make parent-teacher conferences meaningful for parents? I've seen and experienced teacher aid conferences with no parent talk. I incorporated questions in my student teaching. And I got more information about the students uh, and their family life. What's up, kids? <laughs> All right, good. Let's see. Doing a quick. What up? What up? What up, my people? Like us last time? Oh yeah. Does anybody want to say anything about me in the comments? I mean, what, are you fishing for comments? I'm looking at comments. I'm like, what are you doing? People. <laughs> All right, can I do my live feed? 
can I stay here for a little bit? Yeah, so Wait. someone's asking about parent-teacher conferences. Can I answer them? Oh, hi, kids. Someone said hi, kids. That's hi. Oh, that's Van Banana, and that's Turtle, the kid from my You're class. You're Turtle. Hi, Turtle. Yeah. I love you, people. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. My dad posted on a video. Tell my dad to watch him to make my videos because he's too lazy to do it. And also, he's focusing on his channel. He's not doing my channel. So tell him right now in the description down below, right there. Yeah. Tell him to tell him to say, CJ, you make make your kids videos. Like, jeez, this guy's right. messed up. You wanna go on tech? Yeah. Go play a video game. All right, that's how you get rid of your kids. Um, so anyway. How do you make parent-teacher conferences? I, I, there's no way to like segue from that, so I'm just going to jump into it. Um, how do you make parent-teacher conferences meaningful? I think by reminding parents to look. The move I think is always, even when parents are really angry, is to remind them that you're there for their child, that you want, you don't want to win, that you're not win interested in like being right, but that you're interested in helping their child move forward. So that sometimes takes some very honest feedback from you but then not as a way to like ever stick it to the kid or stick it to the parent or make them feel like they're not doing a good enough job or your kid's lazy. Like, all right, they're lazy, but how do we get out of that? How do we work together as a team to help your kid get to where they want to get to? And I think that that is the conversation. Or it could be like uh, if you ask a parent, if you ask the parent, like, look, this is behavior that I'm seeing exhibited in my classroom. I'm wondering if this has happened before and how like his teachers have best handled it or how you handle this situation. Parents always know more about their kids than we do. And we have to remember that because they have history. They've seen them in grades before and with teachers before and how that's kind of played out. So that's how I would sort of handle that situation. We got there, buddy. Um, oh, nothing. Oh, there we go. I was going to take a drink. All right. Um, <laughs> Megan Depp, I think it's just like Johnny Depp. Megan Depp, do you get that joke a lot? Um, hey, I mean, I'm Reynolds, so I get the Reynolds rap thing since first grade. Hey Reynolds, I'm starting uh, to be a sub this week and uh, I'll be in my first sub, my first time in a teacher role. Any tips so I can be the best for my students and teacher? Mm. I would say as a sub, I think it's good practice and somebody on the side might be able to have a better answer than this is not to take the job too seriously. So like if you're subbing elementary school or primary grades, you can take it a little bit more seriously. There's like a, a plan in motion. There's stuff going on um, in there. This is really distracting over there. So um, kids, you know what I mean? It's like doing a lot. I can't even look over there. Now I got, I got to stare at this little dot at the top and there's commotion. It's loud. Anyway. Um, I think taking it seriously when you have elementary kids is fine because there's all of these sort of like protocols in place. The kids do the same thing every day. It can't be as free form in, in high school though. I just think the teachers that do better are the teachers that aren't so strict or so serious. There's a level of freedom, right? The kids already think that they're going to have a day off. And even though you don't want to give them a day off or they, you know, maybe the teacher doesn't want them to have a day off. It's like giving that kind of freedom to like, um, to just be like, look, I'm trusting you. I'm not trying to be over overbearing, but like, don't take my kindness for weakness. And so 
what is the assignment and then moving around the room and trying to help kids as you can. But if they're not doing the work, knowing that that's ultimately their decision and not your decision. So just being kind of mindful about that too. And then, you know, I think just that will get you back. So like schools that like substitutes, I know that we call the same subs back again and again and again, because they work well in school because they do get to know the students over time. The students will like be excited or not excited about a certain uh, sub. So just keeping that kind of stuff in mind. Um, Esther Lynn ran. I think that's right. Right. OK. Um, struggling with getting class started. Any tips on students to calm down and get class started? Yep. I would say that starting class with whatever you're doing up on the board already and then only giving a certain amount of time before that train moves on. Right. So like if it's a journal entry, if it's a certain number of math problems, if it's, you know, a brain tease, like whatever you're starting class with, give the kids five three, five minutes. I mine is usually five minutes for a journal entry, but, um, once that bell rings, you now have five minutes to go and then we're moving on. So if you're not done, you're going to be late on the next thing. And so you have to come in and get started immediately. I've, uh, my current principal used to be a math teacher would teach his lesson in the first 10 minutes of class. That's all he took. I think, you know, there might be some liberty here, but like the thing he said, it's 10 minutes in the beginning of class. And then the rest of the class was like, the kids trying to master that concept. <clears throat> Man, that, I don't know what happened there. I got verklempt. Um, <laughs> so he said if kids were late to his class or didn't get settled in immediately, they missed what the lesson was and then they had to figure it out on their own or they had to like ask a friend and like they were losing time and experience there. And he's like, it seems mean, but on the back end, it really helps because the kids are like making sure they get to class on time and making sure they're paying attention those first 10 minutes and then using their time wisely to make sure their work gets done. So that works as well. Um, Winter Ogilvie, I'm getting used to that name. I, I really, it, it just rolls off the tongue so nicely. Um, thank you for your videos. You're welcome. Thank you, Winter. This last week uh, was spring break. What are your best suggestions for going back after spring break? I say, I, I like my, so we don't go on spring break. We have this whole next week and then spring break. My kids don't have it till the week after that, like my own offspring. So I like to reverse engineer the year. So like, what is the rest of my time? How many weeks do I have left? What are all the days that are going to be in there that were off for something or have testing or there's parent teacher conferences or whatever, block those out and then figure out what you want to get done for the rest of the year. And then that really puts in your head that like, there's a very short amount of time left in the end of the year. So like, I'll come back from spring break and I think I have a week or two left in April. And then there's only four weeks in May and then we're done. Like, so it's, it is quickly coming down to the wire. So what can you get done or what do you want to get done? And when you think of that, then I just try and think of like, what's a good way to use that spring break energy to make it into something special? that like lessons don't have to be overwhelmingly creative for them to be awesome. It's personality. It's what are you feeling like that day? It's your sense of humor. It's sprinkling a little bit of magic in some way, shape or form on what you're doing um, to make it awesome. So how can you make it awesome given those time constraints between now and the end of the year? And I think you just start there and then you, you build it. And then that that's just how I do it. And it's kind of that simple. Um, uh, Vanna Banana is saying, what do you say when a student 
is heartbroken. <sighs> um, depends what kind of heartbroken. So if you are broke up with your boyfriend and girlfriend, that's going to be different than like, you know, your dog died, which is going to be different than like someone in your family passed away. Um, I think giving kids space to be heartbroken um, is good, right? So I have kids that come in and whether they have a headache or whether they have, they broke up with someone or they had a bad night with their parent and they don't want to put their head up and they just want to sit there in class. Everyone maybe once or twice a year gets a checkout day. We're like, I don't like, and not everyone knows this. I don't make a big deal out of it. So like if, you know, Turtle says otherwise and he just doesn't know. Um, but if you come in and you have a hard day, I'll tell them to just go like lay on the couch, go put your headphones in and you get the day, right? But you get the day. Tomorrow, when you come in, I want to talk about this. I'm going to help you work through this. I want, you know, because you can really speak truth in the kids' lives where like, in a way, sometimes when that sort of thing is happening, that their friends can't. They will come in and tell you about like how their girlfriend, whatever happened with her or their boyfriend, whatever happened with him. And, you know, their friends are generally telling them stuff like, uh, like giving bad advice, like, yeah, don't worry about it. You should hook up with your best friend or whatever. And you can kind of like just gently speak to those kids and like help them out or set them down the right path by talking to them about that stuff and just giving being a trusted individual. I think that's an advantage for teachers a lot of times. Like when someone's depressed or sad or, or, or heartbroken, that is a place for us to kind of like get in there and be someone for that student. And then they're, they will do better in your class. They will take it more seriously. And that's an ultimate win for the kid too, because that's, you know, the game that we're in is education. We got, um, Oh, I'm new here. What's with the turtles? Uh, so Bailey, um, I have a student whose name is Jalen Terrell, which is, you know, maybe Jalen should think about taking your government off the internet, but, um, his last name Terrell, I just call him turtle in class. And so he just shows up on here and puts a whole bunch of turtles all the time. So there's students on here every so often. Um, and then usually Indie Kitty puts a whole bunch of other emojis on here and they just she go back and on. forth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indie Kitty's asking for Marley's Instagram. Uh, it's MR Marley's Instagram. Like our daughter has an Instagram, right? Which just is like, drawing. is just draw her drawings. She puts them out there. Um, she's not allowed to like, friend anyone without our permission and stuff like this. And I don't know why I'm telling everyone this because maybe just don't give your kids Instagram this early in their life. But uh, because we're so wrapped up in social media and because that's such a big part of our business, we felt like it was a good way. She just wanted to kind of share her artwork. So it's MR Draws. And, no, Marley Marie Draws. Oh, is it? Marley Marie Draws. So Marley, M-A-R-L-E-Y, M-A-R-I-E Draws. I don't know how to spell that one, so I just skipped the last one. Um, Bailey is asking, how do you help students do their homework when they're depressed and don't want to do work? I think if helping kids, reminding them that, first of all, it's okay to be depressed. It's all right to feel like that. Like you don't have to push through it. You don't have to push it down. Like first talking about that, like, hey, look, it happens to people. The upside is it always goes away. Always, always, always it goes away or it changes or it shifts. And maybe it goes back and forth. But it's, you're not just going to stay in that funk forever. And then two, I help, I think back to reverse engineering, I think helping kids reverse engineer, what are they hoping to have happen, right? So like not looking at math class as just math class, but like math class as being something that is, um, our neighbors are arguing outside of the window right now. <laughs> and it's weird. 
keep going. Okay. Um, so helping them realize that like, you know, maybe learning these math skills is like finding the use in that and then how that's going to build to something else or how it's going to build to college and how college could build to a good job. And then like, what do you want in your life? And then how do you build backwards from that and not let this kind of thing crush you? But if it is crushing you, like make sure that you come in and talk to me about it because just talking about how you're feeling can make you feel better. It is a release of all those feelings. So I think it's kind of that easy is to just like give kids space to talk about it. And then a lot of times, you know, they're resilient. They're kind of like puppies where like you yell at your puppy and then it just loves you 10 seconds later. At least our puppy does. Now it's sleeping by the door, but um, Shauna Caldwell is saying, this is my first year teaching in a mainstream and special needs setting uh, without a set curriculum. Oh, that sounds fun, Shauna. Um, I am just getting a hold of things and found my way uh, and found out I may have to change levels and, or subject areas. So was that, um, how do you deal with this change? So I think in education, unfortunately, we have to be ready for anything. Like I have completely lucked out that ninth grade's mainly, but is what I only wanted to teach. I didn't want to teach anything else for ninth grade. So I get ninth grade and for the last 14 years I've taught ninth grade. Now I have had to teach other weird stuff also. Like one year it was like half ninth grade and half seniors, which is the worst thing ever, especially this time of year. Try teaching a senior anything and it's just like not happening. Um, or one year I taught like last year, I taught ninth grade and 10th grade. So uh, the guys I had in ninth grade, they got one in the 10th grade. I felt like they needed extra help. So I stayed as their teacher and I taught them in 10th grade as well. So there's, it's always this juggling act, right? So every year you go back, maybe your room got changed. Maybe your class got changed. Maybe um, the students that you were going to teach are no longer going to be your students. So I think it's about staying on your toes. Here's the thing is, I think you start figuring out that like some of the stuff, hopefully that you set up for your curriculum before is going to transfer over to your new curriculum, or at least those skill sets, like how to start class, how to manage class, how to collect homework, how to grade homework efficiently. All those skills just get better and better. So no matter what you're teaching, even if you have to teach a whole new grade level, there, that is something that, that is never changing. And so it's, it's a little bit easier because ultimately what can you do? Like if the school decides, and if you don't have a school where you can go and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm staying in the grade that I want, then you have to change. And so I think the other thing you could do is to be honest, I would go on the Facebook group and put in like, when you find out what you're going to be teaching, drop it in there. Hey, does anyone teach this class with this sort of like, I'm special needs. I have co-teaching. I'm by myself. These are the resources I have or don't have. These are the lessons that I'm teaching. Put that stuff in there. And I am certain 100% that people will send you stuff or will help you out in there. So it's just Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook and go in there, drop your stuff in there, and, and people will help you out. Uh, mixed Topic Teen is saying, I have ADHD, ASD. I spend up to four hours a night on homework or on homework a night. I am pacing for five hours a day. I only get four hours of sleep. A night, teachers confront me to say, confront me if I use my 504. I've emailed teachers, but I got told off. What do I, I think that's it, what do I do? Because I don't think there's another part to that question. Um, Did you mess it up? I went no. away for 30 seconds. 
no, I thought there was like an end to her thing, I but I think, I think Royster's in there helping it out. Uh, so look, I think, man, that's not a fast one. You did mm. that person in the topic too? Yeah, but it said, okay. what do I, I didn't think, say no. do, so I thought maybe there was, you I know how sometimes it's like, makes you break it into two comments? Yeah. So I thought that I was the gig. What would you do for that? I didn't read. That's a lot going on. Yeah, I would. So if you have ADHD or uh, ASD, I think there's a good chance that you could probably, I would look into, you could ask your parent or whoever has all those evaluations or look into them yourself and start reading them. You'll learn a lot about how your brain works. Um, and it's really interesting. So you might have a slower process speed or need like that time. It just takes a long, both of our children do. Both of our kids have slower processing speeds and they're still intelligent. They just have, it takes them a long time to process information. And you're the same way too. A lot of times. 100%. Like, when I ask you for Even like in that conference yesterday, they were like asking people, a to think. they were asking us questions and I just sit there and think about it. And I would a couple because I spoke also at the conference, people kept looking to me to, to engage. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I, and I know myself, I finally feel good enough about myself that I think I will engage. I just need like 20 more seconds to think about it. So you're gonna have to sit here awkwardly and silently with me. Cause I don't have like, if it's a joke, I have the answer in a second. Yeah. If it is a deeper thought, I do not. And so I think also realizing that like, but if you build that case to your teachers saying that like, hey, I have a slower processing speed. It takes me a long time. Like, I think if you can verbally give them a clear picture of like what's happening or why it's taking you longer or whatever the case may be, or I think it's just, it's a communication. Like the more you know yourself and communicate that to your teachers, they should be responsive. I, I don't think all are. But. I think that, no, but you can probably find someone that would be willing to get down yeah. with you, right? Even if they're not your teacher, but they're a trusted soul in the building. The other thing, I read this the other day, where someone was talking about, you just dribbled water all over I yourself. I did. <laughs> um, someone was saying how with kids with disabilities, right, we mm -hmm. often look at the disability more than we do the ability. And the problem with that is teachers, schools, 100%. districts, even folks like Mixed Topic Team, maybe you, you're feeling this way too, that like, that there's something wrong with you. When in fact, school is made for vanilla children and what happens when your kid is mint chocolate chip or rocky road or any variation of that right it is maybe just not for you but that doesn't mean something's wrong with you it means something's wrong with the system i get pissed at kids all time all the time in my class and i and but when i sit back and, and i think about like what happened in class it's like i know that dude can't help that but it's just i don't just get frustrated at them i just get pissed that I don't have resources for them, that I can't help them and stuff like that too. So I think it's just worth reminding me saying to you that there's nothing wrong with you, right? It's you as a child or trying, or you know, as a teenager, still a child technically, not trying to diss you there. Um, but you trying to figure this out by yourself is like insane anyway. So you need yeah. to find someone to help you, whether that's the special ed department, whether that's just a trusted teacher, whether it's someone you know, try to find someone or something that can help you out. Maybe someone in the comments over here has some, has some direction for you, but like 
then really taking that seriously and really going down that rabbit hole and seeing how it helps. Um, Johnny Ching, <clears throat> Ching is, is asking, when I was in seventh grade, I had a cool science teacher with a fun classroom that's memorable. But now I wonder if it's goofy to decorate a classroom or what others might say. Johnny, I don't know if you've seen my classroom, but there's an eight foot driftwood tree in there. There are books flying, hanging from the ceiling because although that's a fire hazard, I figure if the ceiling's on fire, we're all done for anyway. Um, you know, I, I think decorating a classroom is everything. I mean, have you been in the most, like if you look in most high school classrooms, we were in our local high school for the basketball tournament a couple weeks ago. And <coughs> I don't know why I'm so, what's going on here? I think it's my allergies. Um, <laughs> We were just, I like peeking into people's classrooms to see kind of like, what does it look like? And like, what do you have going on in there? And like, um, and we were shocked that like most classrooms we looked into were the most boring thing, not, not even a poster on the wall. There wasn't even a tent. Someone didn't look at Pinterest for five seconds. They just had desks in rows, nothing on the walls and a teacher desk in the front. And I was like, this looks like, like summer break when you have to take all your stuff down and like clean up and like they're gonna repaint or something. That's literally what it looked like. So I say go all out on your classroom and give zero craps what anybody thinks about it and just get after it and have the greatest looking classroom ever. Because look, although you might get dogged or laughed at or made fun of in the front end by students or teachers, I think folks are really, you just become that guy. So like all the weird stuff that I do, I'm just like now that guy, instead of like getting, I mean, people still roll their eyes at me, Cho rolls her eyes at me all the time. But I, I think, um, go after it. Never, ever, ever dot, like dumb down or, or take under, like just don't lessen who you are because of what other people are gonna think. Like Brody said last week, be who you are, wisdom town. Um, is someone saying that about me? Yeah, I'm assuming so. All right. So for I don't usually when trolls come on here, I usually don't say anything about it. Um, but this dude is saying this man abused my kid and was arrested for sexual abuse 11 years ago. Um, I don't think so. Mr. So first of all, delete that comment. Second of all, go ahead and look it up if you want. You'll find that Nothing. I don't have time for that kind of thing. Um, Get technical plumbing. Where did, you know what that says to me? It says that we must be trending on some level. And so, you know, all the fun people are coming out. Uh, getting technical plumbing class. First of all, that is, what does that mean? It's a plumbing uh, class. I know, but that's like, that's like a serious name. That's like, I wonder if they have a YouTube channel. Anyway, yes, um, how do you feel about unimpressive admin? Um, you know, that's really... It is going from awful administration at my first school, just the worst, to the best principal I ever had in my life. It is clear to me now that that culture is so much top down that if you don't have a supporting staff that you do, you can't, you just can't you just can't operate at your highest level. I, I just, I really think that like, and, and I say that as someone that like, I largely don't care. Like I don't get caught up in what's happened in the office. I don't eat in the teacher's lounge. Um, I surround myself with the best possible people. I make my classroom the best possible place that it can be. But when you don't have that top down 
approach at your school, then there's always some sort of policy or some kind of nonsense that comes down that tries to like squash your fun or squash your class or change the, the, the way that you run things in your class. So I had, uh, I had the opportunity to go to the ESET conference in New Jersey. So ESET two conference in New Jersey. Um, I got to speak there yesterday, but I met a real lot of really wonderful teachers that were on a lot of really difficult schools where there were so many rules and regulations and problems in place that teachers felt like they couldn't actually be themselves and do what's best for the kids. And that was really sort of like disheartening. So I think it is trying, you know, if you're in that space and you don't know what to do, it has got to be about surrounding yourself with people, whether they're online, like these wonderful people here on the side, or people that are um, like in your building or in your district that you can surround yourself with. So don't be afraid to like go to the other wing of the building or another floor of the building to make sure you're connecting with those folks and getting out of your own hallway or your own personal space sometimes. Um, yo, Tran, I, oh, that's one of two. Oh, okay, the other one's below it. I haven't seen you in a while, man. Um, so I'm moving to a new state and will be in, uh, seeking employment in a new district. Should I substitute first and get to know students in schools or should I seek full-time? Should I seek full-time from the get-go? Hold on, I'm trying to look for the rest of your thing. How do I build familiarity with a new district if I go into full-time? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would say, look, I mean, if you can afford to sub and that's something that's interesting to you, then maybe consider that. But subs in Jersey, I don't know. They, I, when I subbed, it was like $70 a day or something like that. Like I made more almost working at Home Depot than I did doing that. So like, it's about like how much can, how much kind of like, can you handle that's going to be, you know, in terms of money, like, are you going to be able to afford doing that? Um, and if not, look, if you get a job and it's the worst, like, can you just stay out until the rest of the year and then switch over to somewhere else? Like, or put out on, if I push it to the Facebook account again, um, I'm wondering if you put on there where you're moving to and where you want to work. If people would be like, Hey, this is a really great school, or I have a friend over here, or maybe connect here or think about this, or this is where we all look for jobs. So maybe try that too. Like that might be like a little bit more in actual, like direct insight into those situations that I can give you on here. Uh, Martine, Martine Dupree. I think I'm saying that right. Um, I'm going to pretend I'm saying it right and just move on confidently. Uh, question. How do you teach vocabulary in your classroom? I find it hard to fit in, but would like to make something consistent that we cover in a practical and relevant way. To be honest, I find that vocabulary is one of the most difficult things to find time for and to do. So like my vocab right now looks like a version of, I give words on Mondays. So I have a PowerPoint and I have the word, I have the part of speech and I have a picture that is associated with it and something that's fun, like whether it's Fortnite or, or whatever the kids are into right now, whatever those kids are into right now, <laughs> I try and get in there. So I, do that, and then they have to write cards. Word on one side, definition on the other. So I just think it's an easy way to sort of quiz yourself. You could just as easily use Quizlet, but not all of my students have phones. Not all of them have data. So phones become a tricky thing in class. And then during the week, there's like the first five or 10 minutes are 
like a quick like review or the second 10 minutes is like a quick review of like, you know, on a good week of like what these are. So maybe that is a bunch of pictures and you have to like connect a word to a picture. Maybe it's um, matching the word and definition like in a really quick amount of time. Maybe it's some sort of fun game that literally lasts like five minutes and you have to figure out like how to connect the definition and the word or use the word in a sentence or something along those lines. But to be honest, my problem with that is that it is a once and done kind of scenario. So my students will get five words a week. First week, they only have five words. Second week, they have the old words are tested in one way and the new words are tested in a different way. And then it scales from there until you get to about 20 words and then we start over. But I, I, it is not organic at all. Like that is not like I would much rather have students find their own vocab words in the reading that we're doing and create like their own kind of assessment or their own way to kind of remember things. Um, but I, I don't have students that are motivated in that way, that that would be something they would actually do. They would be like, oh, no, I only, I only found two words this week, Mr. Reynolds, I, I can't do anymore. Or they would just cheat off one another and find other words somebody else did that actually did the work or look it up online or whatever. But I, I'd rather, I'd like to find a better. So I don't have a really good answer for you. I think my what I'm going to look for for next year is actually a program that I can look for that's going to do some of the vocabulary work for me. So maybe on laptops, we're doing some sort of like fun-ish like vocabulary review and and it's we're doing something more with it than just like giving words on a Monday and testing them on a Friday. Sorry, I don't have a better answer, but it just also shows that your issue is not, uh, not just yours. I'm your Williams. Um, cool. So I'm your Williams is one of my students and he, you can see him in all of the Belize videos from when we went to Belize and he, I've had him on the channel a bunch of times, but he's excellent and he wants to be a teacher one day. I have no idea what his question is yet, but I just felt like I wanted to tell you that. Uh, I'm here saying Reynolds, I'm going, I don't know why I read those all the time I and I read them with an ex exclamation point <laughs> Reynolds. Um, I am running the new GSA club at our school. How do you get more guys to join and look past the fact that their friends may clown them for being an ally or just being, um, it's, so GSA is Gay Straight Alliance. That took me a second. Um, or, so what do you do about getting more people to join essentially without like having them feel like they're gonna get clowned because that's a big deal in our school um, or I think most young men. And then also when running our meetings, my friends play around too much uh, you know who they are. Oh, I know who they are. How do I get them to be serious when it's serious and trying to get uh, important things done? So I think I'm your one is, I just click that off. Oh my goodness. I, I know those dudes. And I know that if you went to them and sat them down and I would even be willing to do this with you. If you had a serious conversation and said, look, when you're just goofing around all the time, you, like you are a lot of times already not being taken seriously or dudes are rolling their eyes because of the way you walk down the hallway, or the way you handle yourself. Like, how can you now, now I'm not saying at all that you need to change who you are to get other people to like you or to listen to you at all. But what I am saying is there does need to be a level of seriousness. If you want other people to be serious when they're in there too, otherwise it's just everyone's clowning around all the time. And then I think you make it a safe space by making sure that no one's walking away talking about anyone else. What's said in the club largely stays in the club, unless it's like something that is 
concerning, like someone's going to harm themselves or something along those lines, take it to somebody else. But once it's that safe space, you work on scaling. So who are the one or two dudes that you get along with that you think would be able to come that would create this alliance? And then figure out like, why is that even important? Like, why would someone want to come? Why would they want to risk their reputation to show up to be a part of this? Because when you can explain to them why, in a quick like 90 second elevator pitch, that gives them a little bit more courage to probably show up. And then letting them know that they're important, like your involvement on both sides, right? Your involvement in this is important because we need this in our school and this is why, and you can be a part of that. And we think enough of you to actually ask you, like we feel like you create enough gravity around the things you do and what you say and who you are to bring gravity to this. And so if that doesn't work, maybe working with a teacher, whether it's myself or someone like really great, like Wascom um, or someone else in that space <clears throat> that would be able to navigate those conversations, like letting an adult be a part of that also, because, you know, I think we know the students enough and know how they work enough that it's, a, it's easier to sort of like navigate that situation. Um, so that would be my answer. If you want to talk about this more at school on Tuesday, we can do that as well. Uh, my girl, Leah Pratt is asking, Question for an ES friend of mine. What is ES? Leah Pratt, I don't know what ES is off the top of my head. Can you just tell me that? And I'm going to read the rest of your question. Um, of mine. Uh, has taught specifically one subject for many years, truly honed it, and the kids' test scores show huge growth um, due to expertise. Principal told them that they, that they teach a different subject next year and they're heartbroken. Prepping for a hard conversation about this next week. Tips. Oh, ES is elementary school. Oh. First of all, let me just convey that I think that this is a terrible idea. That someone actually at the conference yesterday was saying, like, if in their school, if you and your co-teacher work too well together or you start getting along too well, they change your group up. Because yeah, they think you're going to. What is the gonna, rationale between know. any of that? That's like, listen, your marriage is working way too well. We're going to break this up, and you're going to be married to this person and see if that works. Like, it's like, well, no, no, but it already works. That's yeah. the thing. That's it's the like key. if you have a car that works well, you don't go get another car. Like I, that was maybe a stupid metaphor. Um, oh, look at you! I get it. Metaphor. You don't have too many of those. <laughs> oh, are you really yeah. being supportive right yeah. now? I thought you were being sarcastic, like me. Um, both. So. Oh, <laughs> a half frown. Uh, so I would say, Leah, maybe like I would tell that person to go to the office and tell them like, no, here's why I should stay here. Like I've honed my craft. I am good at what I do. And just by taking me from that and putting me somewhere else where that like, I don't know, which is probably not as good of a situation. They want them to make it better because they think they're just good at that. Why don't you just let me stay in my lane and do well? And I would look up research on that. I would go prepared. And then maybe even talk to some other teachers that are going to back them as well. Whenever I want something to happen at my school, whenever I have an idea or a plan or something I want to see come through, I try and find research on it. I try to find info that's going to back it. And then I always get like a group of people around me. Or if, if it's something I want for someone else, then I back, like try and get someone to surround them, get people talking about, get people like excited about, not just like, you know, up in arms about it, but like excited about the idea that like, no, can we just recognize this individual for a moment that they're awesome? And so I think that's what that looks like to me. <clears throat> um, and 
that's that's what I would go in doing. I would go in thinking like, no, this can't happen because this is too important. You are the person doing that. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of what I would do. Would you think of anything else for that? No, because I wasn't listening to you. I was reading. Oh <laughs> I just wanted to really have a good answer because it's Leah Pratt and I really like her. Um, I just thought that was really cute. That one. Kimberly Wallback is saying, my 13-year-old uh, my 13 year old daughter thinks that you are a really cool teacher. Well, Kimberly Wallback, your 13 year old daughter is 100% correct because I am cool. <laughs> Don't ask Turtle that, but I'm cool. Okay. I knew you would say I was cool. I mm -hmm. um, uh, bonus Fiddle is saying <laughs> first of all, that is a great name because it's not, you're just not the regular fiddle. You were the bonus fiddle. <laughs> bonus Fiddle is saying, any ideas for integrating? art into math or partnering with teachers from other subject areas. Look, I, I think, first of all, talk. So if you're a math teacher talking to the art teacher and saying, how do we impl implement, you know, math in your, your class into my class? Like there's gotta be something I used to know. Remember that guy at Heights? Um, I don't know if you had him at had in Heights high school, but he used to take his math students, on a tour every year of Philadelphia and they would look at architecture and they would like break it down and talk about the mathematical properties. And what he did was take like no, a really, you know why? Because I was in the not smart kid classes so and I. they always, they never did anything in there, but made you do more work. We used to watch Disney movies. They're awful. And public school. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, some look, I'm some, bitter. Look, you know, the, some look at these people i know they're, they're really all here great. on sunday night freaking answering questions and asking stuff so you it's know. just really our district no no but even growing up right like like not all teachers I mean, are great I, and I stuff like that no cool teachers growing up anyway. i didn't have either so uh but i think um i would go to those teachers and you know and if you don't have someone at your school here's here's my new plan honestly is connecting with teachers via via skype so i have my friend sunflowers and sped on Instagram. She's really great. She's like one of the only special education people I know on Instagram. She has had her husband works in Hollywood. And so he's going to do a Skype call with my guy. So usually I try and get people to come into my school, but sometimes that's not practical and it's really limiting because it's just your area. But if you can connect with people via DM on Instagram, because it's total white space, then try and get them to Skype into your school. So I'm going to try and do that with uh, Richard Betts, right? Ask them to come to my school and be like, no, would you, Skype because you're in Australia yeah, that's and awesome. isn't that an awesome idea and then it, it's like it's free doesn't cost anybody anything which is the same thing as free um and you can get really interesting people to talk about like do like a 10 minute kind of TED talk ish thing and then have the students ask questions about them so that's what I would do I would go on Instagram I'd find cool people this is a great idea I'm so glad I just came up with this I'm gonna do this immediately and then um that's how I would try and figure that out and I think it will be awesome. Got it. All right. Tracy That's great. I'm so pumped about that. All right. Awesome. Can you write that down so I don't forget? No. Okay. I'll just have to watch this later. <laughs> <laughs> watch myself. Um uh, Tracy Pinter. She says like four of them. So just why she have a wrench next to her name? Because she's, she's a, a moderator. Oh, Tracy Pinter is the best man. Um I have four college students this semester doing various field work. One college student, a male, is too friendly with the students, especially female. Oh, brother. The girls are very smitten and flirt. Um, yeah, I know. I'm trying to, I just don't want to skip the middle part. 
and he allows them to touch him. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Uh, call him by his first name. I try to put a kibosh on it, but he, the college student, continues to blur the lines between teacher roles. Uh, was that no, uh, two or like three? How do I put an end to this in the most professional way possible without necessarily tackling uh, or tattling to his professor? That was it. It was three. Oh. Uh, I trace. Man. Is there a male teacher in your school that would be able to talk to him where it would come off differently? So you don't even have to bring up that it's happening. Right. But a male teacher maybe he goes and observes him one day and that guy says, Hey, look, one of the things you have to be careful about is becoming too comfortable with students, especially female students, right? Cause it, there could be a real danger there because it's not always what you did. It's just what people say you did, right? Like if those girls are texting about you or posting about you, or God forbid someone takes a picture of you and turns it into a meme or something along those lines, like your rep is shot. And then your career is shot as well. Like might as well go like work late nights at, Wawa or something like that. Wawa is a convenience store here in the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. Um, so I, I think that might put him in the know more like in a way that you you saying it wouldn't have the same gravity um, because he's a man and because he maybe has dealt with the same things and he's, and he's kind of spitting that truth to that kid. Now, look, if that doesn't work, I would go to the college professor. doesn't mean that kid's going to lose his job or something, but just say, look, I'm not really sure how to address this situation but it is serious enough and and awkward enough that like i wanted to bring it to your attention and then that's all i would do and then that college professor doesn't want to look bad either so they'll i'm sure they'll handle it would you recommend for her to document in that in her because she's either like she's responsible for him on some level like he's she's being observed she's observing him i would write up as a so i would document it but i would not make it official i would hold on to it um, and, and, and I'm saying that as someone who's not in the situation, right? Like yeah. if I was there, I might say, no, 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 go to HR, right. put something in writing in case something happens. Cause you don't want to be held liable, but I'm not there. So I can't say that. Yeah. Um, so I would say, start with the, the male teacher. And then I would go to talking to the college professor. Okay. And then if there's someone trusted in admin at your school that you can even put in the no to say, this is happening. It, and it's enough to make me feel – look, sometimes I go – look, I had a conversation the other day with someone at school that was like, I don't want to document this, but I want to put you in the know because yeah. it's awkward enough. Well, and then that becomes documentation later down the yeah. line. So it's like without being – that's a good, that's a good yeah. point. Thanks. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Diane Vera is saying administration doesn't hold students accountable. Oh, every teacher on here is going, I know. Um more worried about what the lawyers say. I'm worried about students in the real world causing big time burnout thoughts. Uh, gosh. I don't. This is one of those things. So here's what I'm going to turn it to. I'm going to say, is Richard Royster still on here? Um, yes. What would you, what do you suggest for that, Richard? Like if, if, if admin's not kind of like student or at least teachers aren't feeling like admin are actually doing their job. Part, my, I would think go to admin and say, Hey, look, I realize the struggles. I realize what the law is. I realize the lawyer thing. I get it. What would you recommend I do 
in this situation then? Because I'm kind of at a loss. Because here's what I would typically do. I'm feeling like that's not the move here. What would you do? And, you know, and the hell with like them thinking anything about you. Like, why don't you know how to run your classroom? Or like, why don't you know how to do what you're supposed to do? Like, put it in their hands, but in a way where you're saying, I get it. I, I understand fully what the situation is as best I can. What I don't know is how to move forward with this and how to best support our students. Um, so what is your insight on that? And then see what they say. But I'm wondering um, what anyone else is kind of thinking about that as well on the side here. Uh, Mark Juan Morrison is saying, hey Reynolds, I'm in the fall, I'll be a first year teacher. First of all, man, congratulations. Actually, I don't know if, oh, yeah, Mark Juan, that's, I'm pretty sure, anyway. I don't even wanna go there. But uh, either way, I'm really, that's fantastic. Uh, this may sound crazy, but I hate reading out loud. How do you get over this and become comfortable with reading out loud? Let me tell you, right, you pick, you already know what I'm gonna say for this, right? No. I hate reading out oh, loud. Yes. It's the worst. I can read fine to myself, but even when I read to you, if I read something out loud, I mess up all the time and stuff. And this is my wife that I've been with for like, you know, more than, literally more than half your life. <laughs> That's how I roll me, commitment. Um, so I will either, I, look, this is what students do also, I know it, because they don't know where the hell we are in the book all the time. I will read it ahead of time so that I'm more familiar with it, or I, have to like, because when, if I have to read aloud in class and I want to really be able to do it well, I have to do it so that like, I can't have other distractions. And I think that's part of what throws me off in school is like, I'm half listening to someone, half watching this kid who's tapping someone with their pencil, um, trying to follow along, trying to read with some excitement and it can be difficult. So I will sometimes read like part of it and then, you know, just blame it on something else. Like say like, ah, oh, I'm not feeling this today can you take over and read or like have a kid read ahead of time or use an audiobook or something along those lines, but don't feel like you have to do that. Uh, and here's the thing, the more you read the same material year after year, day after day. So like if you read something first period and then you do that five times a day, your last period, you could probably recite it without even looking at it mostly. So just don't get caught up in that. It also, look, this is a good thing because it's gonna give you empathy for students that do not read well aloud or kids that don't want to read aloud. I don't make anybody read aloud that doesn't want to in my class because I know that that is not a good indicator of the fact that you can or cannot read. It just means you don't read well aloud. But the more you do it, the more you practice it, the better you will get. Um, and there's science behind that and I don't wanna get into what that is because I'm, I'm gonna misrepresent it. But um, I do know that there is science behind that. Like the more that you're reading aloud, the kind of better you'll get at that as well. So uh, yeah, but look, man, best of luck on your uh, first year. That's so great. First year, man. I was just writing about my first year today. You don't care. Mm. Audrey Gilchrist. That's a great, that sounds like a soap opera name. Like a strong name. I'm Audrey, Audrey Gilchrist. Uh, is saying interviewing at a teacher recruitment day tomorrow at my college. Any tips for portfolio or interviewing? Portfolio, I don't have tips. Interviewing, I think, be yourself. Don't try and sell anyone and don't act like, like come up with a reason that you would be a good fit at that school. Don't try to like be, um, I just noticed that our kids are not playing video games right now. They're outside playing. They always play video games, right? This is like a great parent, like Phil. 
successful right now. Um, when you're interviewing, think of a way, like look into that school, even if you see a school, right? And you want to go over to it, look them up on your phone real quick and think of a reason why you'd be a good fit. Schools don't want to just, it's, this isn't speed dating, right? It well, kind of is, but like, um, you want to tell them why you think you'd be a good fit in their particular school, not just as a teacher. I think that's one move. Two, get business cards from people. And as soon as you go home tomorrow, no matter how tired you are, immediately write a handwritten thank you note. Thanks so much, Shelly, for meeting with me. I really appreciate it. I had a great time talking with you all. Your school looks really wonderful. I hope to hear from you in the future. That's it. Put that thing in a mail, in an envelope, not a mail, and put it in the mailbox. Make sure you put a stamp first because they won't send it otherwise. But what that does is it it is the white space, right? It's not an email follow-up. It's not something along those lines. It is a personal note to someone that you took the time to handwrite. And while you're fresh in their memory, they go, oh, yeah, you were really sweet yesterday. Like, let's call her in for an interview. And I think that that works. So that's what I would do. Uh, Hannah Silverstein is saying, uh, when you were in college, did you have did you do practicum hours? I did. Uh, did the teacher have – did you have a teacher come and watch you do lesson plans in the class? How did you handle the anxiety? I'm so nervous. So I did do practicum hours, um, and I really liked it. I just felt like there wasn't enough. So at a local school that I work with, uh, like their teachers are always coming to my school, St. Joe's University. They have their kids, students doing practicums from day one, like from freshman year, first semester. If they're in, in the education program, they're moving on to that like right away, which I think is awesome. You know, because it's going to give you a sense of like what schools work, what teachers work, what teachers you don't want to be like, stuff like that. Um, I didn't have someone come and watch you do lesson plans. I did have someone watch me do a lesson. So I think that's maybe what you're talking about. Uh, look. Here's what you, how you get over that. You just know that you're not going to get over that. Like, I, I think there are steps you can take to lessen the anxiety, but it just makes you feel anxious. I mean, even now, like when someone, when Miss List, my department head comes in, I don't get nervous. I don't feel anxious, but there is something there where it's like someone came in to watch you and ultimately to judge. I mean, whether they want to call it something else or not, it's ultimately to judge whether you did a good job or not. The thing with being a practicum student is no one is expecting very much from you. They're going to say stuff that's like, here's how you can fix it. This is what you did wrong. And just be ready for that. But I think be on the offense. I think go in and when you start talking about it, say, hey, here's one thing that I felt like worked or this is something I think didn't work. What would you do for that? So you're not just sitting there like nervously accepting criticism. You were going into it with an answer already and saying, look, I, I feel like this didn't really work. Or I felt like this really did work. What do you think about that? Or how would you change it? Or tell me more about that. Like, so you think I should change that part, but like, what would you do if you were in that situation? Or I thought it would work because of this. So you're going in with your own questions anyway, ready to learn and not ready to just get like bowled over by someone's opinion. Um, and then I was going to say something else about that too. Uh, yeah, I, I think to... What I do whenever I'm in a stressful situation or something I want to be successful in is I literally sit down, I close my eyes, and I walk myself through the whole scenario. Waking up in the morning, this is what it looks like when I'm getting ready. This is what it looks like when I'm putting my things in my bag. This is what it looks like when I get to school. This is what it looks like when I'm standing in front of the students. And then I, I imagine best case scenario and worst case scenario. So like 
this is what it looks like when I say this joke or I have this funny remark or I have this slide in my PowerPoint and all the kids laugh. But this is what it looks like when no one laughs. And then just sit with that for a minute and like feel that anxiety because then you're, it's not just happening to you when you get there. You're kind of like a fighter in the ring, like practicing ahead of time, taking punches so that when you get there, that punch doesn't sting as much because you've already been doing, you've already been punching yourself, I guess is what I'm saying. So, um, but that's what I would do. And it'll be all right. I promise. Um, Brandon Chatfield is saying, how do you motivate students that typically do not work hard? I, I remind them why they need to work hard. And look, I can't get to everyone, right? So like I'm saying this, even as I'm saying this, I'm feeling like a hypocrite because there's students I need to get down with at school. There's students I need to talk to even this late in the game, this late in the year that are failing for the year that are there's probably no chance in hell that they're going to pass for the year. But that being said, I, I think we learn from our failures and we talk to students and not just in a teachery way, not like, look, I think, uh, I think you had a good, you tried this year. But you didn't, you didn't really do that well. Um, it's important that you put your effort into everything. You try and learn from your mistakes. Like, just say, what is the, what's the goal here, man? Like, what do you want to do? What do you want the future to look like for you? Oh, you want to be a doctor? You can't fail high school and be a doctor. It's just not going to happen. Like, the, the, maybe someone somewhere in the history of the world pulled that off. Like, but, oh, you want to go to college in four years and be, you know, whatever? That takes starting this now. So let me break this down for you. Let me show you the steps that are going to occur to get there. Because you can't sit here and hope for abs, right? They're just not going to show up. You can sit in a chair. You can meditate about it. You can pray about it. You can hope for it with all your everything in you. But unless you do the work, you don't get the abs. So let's talk about how to do that. And then you break that system down, but in a way that is accessible, that rigs the game for that kid to win. So they can actually see themselves like, it's not go home every night and do two hours of homework or just like, how can you make it so it's actually accessible? And then what are you willing to do to help that student? Like, look, you're not in this alone. I think you should come in and talk with me for five minutes at the end of the day. That's it. We will even put a timer on. We're not allowed to have any more than five minutes. I will review what we went over that day. I'll make sure that you know what is for homework, and then you will go home and do it. And then what that does is I think it builds momentum, and it shows kids that you care. But like on the flip side of that, again, like it's not something I can do with every single student. I feel like if there's 100 students in a year to do that with, you get to like 60 of them, and then there's still like a large percentage that it's just like they just are – you just – can't get to everyone because there's too many issues, but that's what I would do for that situation. That's what Richard Forster is saying every year. He has to have a conversation with a student that wants to be a doctor, but is failing high school. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, okay. So Richard Royster, my job, my idea next year is I want to, I think I'm going to tell kids that my name is Dr. Reynolds um, and they won't even know. And so it's like, <laughs> I didn't have to go to school or anything. And, you know, I don't even have my master's. I just, you know, it was community college and then teacher college. And then, I just renamed myself Dr. Reynolds because nobody knows. And I think all of my friends would go along with it except for Cho. <laughs> Cho definitely Cho like, not. He's not a doctor. <laughs> she, does, she sounds like the emperor when she talks sometimes. In <laughs> Skywalker. Um, it's anyway. more that you're making fun of her on this. Oh, good. Maybe she'll watch. Uh, so <laughs> I am fresh out of college. This is Sarah Collins is saying, I'm fresh out of college and started applying for jobs. I've not heard back from anyone yet. 50 applications in. Sweet Jesus, that is a lot. Um, 
Is it still too early in the game to have a reason to be nervous? I'm in Denver. No, I, I think I, I think it's early. Um, and I don't know what Denver is like. So in when you teach in the Title I schools that I've taught in, you find out five minutes before the school year sometimes that you got hired and then they bring you in because things are just not as organized all the time as we would like them to be. Or you're holding on the hope that someone's actually going to come in and apply for that job. And then when you do come in, they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I think – Maybe writing cards to those schools as a follow-up letter, or you could do an email, but I'm really, if you can tell, I'm real into thank you cards or, or like just quick notes like, hey, thanks so much for the, um, like I sent in my application. I really look forward to hearing back from you. I think I'd be a great fit at your school, and I look forward to working with you all in the future. Bam, done. Sign your name, put it in the mailbox, send it off. Because what that could do is, my thought is, Maybe they get that and they go, well, let's look at that application. Guys, that was really nice that they sent that in. You just don't know who yeah, they're going to They're going to put you on the bottom of the top pile or put that with your application. Yeah, possibly, right? Mm-hmm. Someone might go, look yeah. at this kid trying the brown nose and get in on this. Throw it in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> we already threw your application in the garbage already. I mean, yeah, and you don't want to work for those schools anyway, so yeah. don't, don't sweat So that's what I would just try to do. Um, or see, are there any of those schools that you can start trying to work at now in terms of like, do they need someone to teach summer school? Do they need someone as part of an after-school program? Do they need someone to rip tickets at the at the spring jazz concert, right? Like, how can you make connections, get in spaces where some of those teachers or those admin are? So, like, speaking at these conferences, you meet, like, all the teachers of the year. You meet all the principals. You meet all these great people that I'm like, man, where were these connects before? Because I'm meeting people, and they're giving me great feedback, and I'm like, this is – and it, like if I ever thought of moving schools, now I have people that I would literally call up and not like to abuse that relationship, but to just say, hey, man, uh, or lady, I, you know, I'm thinking about moving schools. You know, could we talk about that? And it would happen. Thanks. Just cut me off. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricardo de Luna is saying, that's a great name. Too. Man, I like, I, I don't know why I like to shout everyone out when I like their name. Probably because I'm proud of myself for being able to say someone's name. Any advice for too much noise in the classroom? Sometimes... When I don't say a word and stare at them, it works. But uh, with classes, is useless. Uh, is that the last? Is that the end of it? Oh, I thought that was. We had dot, dot, dot. So I just oh. didn't know. Like, okay, cool. Rick, Ricardo, this is what I would do. Um, when my classes are too loud, I sometimes do regular stuff to get them back. And I sometimes do weird stuff to get them back. So a lot of times it is countdown from five. All right, everybody, I need your attention on me in five four and I count down the one when I'm doing that I'm looking at them I'm looking in their eyes so if someone's talking I'm looking in their eyes sometimes I just stare at kids but I look at the ones that are talking I'm sorry didn't you hear me talking I'm the only one getting paid in here so that means you gotta listen to me sometimes I use a megaphone and I just announce it if it's super loud so last week we were using Legos in class and we were building models of the island from Lord of the Flies it gets really loud sometimes just because kids are building and sharing and looking for stuff. Plus the sound of Legos is super loud in and of itself. So I have to, a megaphone that I got for $8 at Kohl's. I call out and make everyone quiet immediately. Um, or just walk around like touching shoulders, right? Not everyone feels comfortable with that, but it doesn't. I'm fine with it and I'm I, my students know me well enough that I'll just be like, yo, I need your attention real quick. Because I think sometimes students really don't hear us. Right. Like how many times when you were a kid, did your mom call your name and you were like, oh, I'm so, I didn't hear you. And your mom's like, I called you four times. And you're like, I literally did not hear you. So that could be a thing also. And then 
saying, I always say like, I need your attention. Now I need it for 60 seconds. All right. So be quiet or hold your breath for 60 seconds. And then I give my instructions and then I let them go back to what they're doing. So, um, and then other times just lay it down. Like, bro, I'm tired. Like, why are we still doing this? I do not want to raise my voice and I'm not going to talk over you. It's important that what I'm saying you hear right now. So you need to check yourself so I can get into this. Um, and then that sometimes that little bit of fear works as well. But make sure that's calculated uh, because you never want to like lose your crap in front of the students. Like whenever I yell, I know it's, I almost kind of smile on my head and I go, oh, it's going to be awesome. And then it's like, bam, it's on. Uh, oh, I think you asked a question before. I'm not going to be able to say your name. And I really, really apologize for that because you are worth having someone say your name correctly. But you it's. Just to hear someone say it. Yeah. And then we can. Yeah. Then we got it. Uh, ADR. Um, or A-N-D-R-S. We're going to go with that. Um, you have a cool profile picture, though. The skull. Is it a skeleton with a mohawk and a suit? Nice. Um, Reynolds, you're such a nice teacher. Uh, huge fan here. I've started teaching ESL course for beginners. First of all, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, should I allow them to... Should I allow them to speak in their L1? What would you do? In, in their first language? Ah. Uh, so question, uh, yes, here's what I'm going to say about that. I, when I taught in Camden, a large portion of my students were English as a second language, right? And at home, they only spoke their native language, which is usually Spanish. Um, and in class, I found that um, it, what's going to, what I found, look, and I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if there's research back to stuff. I have no idea. Just being around, though, students that were speaking English helped those kids to learn English. Just by having to write in English helped them. Having to read in English helped them. But then what I would do at the end of the day is I had a small cohort of kids every year that really struggled, that were like just came from Dominican Republic five minutes ago and didn't know how to read English and were feeling self-conscious right, about that. Um, or they start acting out in class and you know it's really just them trying to get out of class so that they don't, have, they don't have to look stupid in front of everyone. So I would hold those kids back at the end of the day and I'd have like this fun time. Bring in like, go to, you know, the local grocery store and get those cheap cookies or unless anyone has a peanut allergy and then skip that thing because the last thing you want is anyone going to anaphylactic shock and then you have to stab them with that little needle and all that stuff. Anyway, um, they, bringing those kids in and just, letting them sort of explain it to one another uh, in their native language is fine. Letting them um, like share with one another or try to like get the concepts down is only going to motivate them to actually do well in the class. And it's a safe space where it's like, you can speak in Spanish. You can, you know, we can work some of these things out. The problem was I did not speak Spanish. So like I wasn't able to help the kids in that way, but you know, even in my case, I just made a safe space for them after school, before school or during lunch. And that's when we worked on stuff. And it really, really helped because just being around native English speakers is just going to help you grow more and more anyway. Uh, Annie Duran is saying, hello. Hello, Annie Duran. One question that I'm afraid to do is. There's a bunch of them and there's all small errors. So okay. Is how to handle toxic teachers. I am the youngest teacher on my campus and with new ideas for teaching, the teachers say bad things about me to the students. 
Like she's fun, but oh man, I just had this conversation with someone the other day. Um, but cool for you guys. I don't want to play. I really want to teach you not like others. Sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Got it. Uh, I don't feel so much down my warrior. I don't, I don't feel so much down. My warrior is that my students are manipulated and my work for the relationship, I think it's for relationship is affected by the toxic comments from other teachers. What do you recommend for this? So, uh, Annie, I would say, what do I want to say about this? Um, I had a conversation with someone the other day that said, oftentimes fun in class is confused with not doing work. Like they can't coexist. You're either working hard and grinding it out and putting in all this time and effort and kids are learning and they're like coming out of your class, like sweating, like, oh my gosh, we really, that was hard. Um, as, and, and like, if you're having fun in class, you're not learning anything. I'm telling you right now that many of my students would tell you that we don't really do that much in my class. They say it all the time. And I know. I love that they say it. They said it at Gary V. I think. Oh, like, did they? Yeah, because I interjected. Like, we don't really do like, that much in I just thought class. it was so funny. I'm like, yeah, you think you don't do anything. Exactly. That's and I just think of Mr. Miyagi. Like yeah. Daniel son didn't know he was learning how to do stuff when he was wax on and waxing off <laughs> or like sand the floor or paint the fence. Like he didn't know he was doing anything. And then it's like, oh yeah, we didn't look at this. We have, you know, 180 journal entries, five sentences each. Like, so maybe someone had you write an essay this year, but how many lines of text is that, that we've like, we filled a notebook with writing that tells your story, your opinions, your thoughts and feelings on stuff. When we do games in class, like that's why I love breaking things down. So maybe do this. I would, first of all, as best you can, screw other teachers and what they think. Second, um, or confront them. It's That's up to you. I feel like that's what my wife would do. Um, and then remind your students every day what you're doing, why you're doing it. Yo, isn't it awesome we can have fun in class? And then this is what we're learning. Like this is your takeaway for the day. We're going to learn the hero's journey. And so here's a really great lesson. Let me let me explain it this way. Someone, I met this really, really great guy, Bob, uh, a couple conferences ago. And he told me um, that he knew an English teacher that used to work in his school. And before they read the Odyssey, I know you're reading, but I want you to hear this because I think it's awesome. Before they read the Odyssey, he would tell the kids, I want to take you on a trip around the school real quick. And you have to do what I tell you to do. And then for 15 to 20 minutes, they would walk inside the school, outside the school, up the steps, down the steps. He would see like a ball and say, throw that against the wall five times. All right, now walk <laughs> down here. Now hop on one foot. Now go over here. Now pick that rock up, put it down. Now pick it up again and put it over there. And then they would go back to the class and he would say in the odyssey they would and he would say why did i do that and the kids have zero idea because he does not explain it and he would say um that is exactly how odysseus's soldiers feel when they're how his crew feels in the entire odyssey we're going here we're doing this guys are getting killed we're going through this crazy adventure but why so look, that could be thought of as just having fun or you could have just explained it, but you didn't. It's going to be something the kids are going to remember forever. Like that time that crazy teacher made us walk all around the goddamn, oh, sorry, I uh, didn't want to say that, um, all around the school and like do all this crazy stuff. But then like that sticks with you. 
I could have had my guys just draw pictures of the island from Lord of the Flies. But you know what? Legos are more fun. But I have to remind them, look, we're using Legos because it creates spatial awareness. You need to be aware of what's happening and where on the island so that when we're reading it, you have a sense of where the dead parachutist is and where the head of the pig is on the stick and where the fire is and where the uh, castle rock is that the boys are listening to. You're creating spatial awareness, but you're doing it with fun. So you should, of course, have fun. But make the, the way that like when other teachers are going to dog you, the way you get kids to stick up for you and so that they, those teachers are in the know is by telling them what they're learning. Like make it very clear. Look, we could do it like this, but let's do it awesome. Like, you know, I just think that that's – you could just listen to music or you can listen to Van Halen. That's what I'm talking about. Um, Letter Classroom said, yo, what's up, Letter Classroom? We're going to have a talk tonight. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, <laughs> it's like she's in trouble. That's kind of what it sounded like. Oh, We're going to have a talk tonight. Send you to the office. Uh, that's, she's famous too, everybody. Look at this. I got famous people in the live chat. Um, Sean Murphy Journal is saying, what are the demographics of the so – in regards to what? I'm in guessing your school. Social structure. Like in regards to my school? Uh, can, can you break that down a little bit for me? I'd be happy to answer that um, as nothing's off the table on this show. Uh, yeah. You got um, another one? Or do you want me to sing a song? Nope. Here you go. <laughs> uh, have you had athletes at this is Sean Murphy again? Have you had athletes who did not care about school because they would be recruited due to athletic abilities? Yeah, but. <laughs> Here's the problem I have in our school. And I have a feeling that Richard Oyster probably feels the same way. I have the four foot one child who has not been on the basketball team for the first two years of high school because he just didn't even try out. But that guy is going to the league. So that's more often than not. Or football players that put the enough effort in to be passing so they can play football in the fall. But as soon as the season's over, it just dies. And I think... It is about, you know, so look, I, I looked up um, in that situation with athletes. I went online and I found out like, what do you have to do to get onto a football team, right? Like, what do you, what's like the, like, if you have to, I don't know anything about sports, but like, if you have to run 50 meters, I'm totally, I'm totally making this up. But if you have to run 50 meters, how fast do you have to be able to run it in? If you have to, um, like how much weight do you have to be able to lift? How many like free throws do you have to be? Uh, whatever that, that is, all that stuff's online. There's like lists of that stuff. And so I break it down to kids like, can you do this? You need to be able to do this within the, you know, the time you exit high school or by the time you start college or whatever it is. How do you plan to get there? So look, I'm not crushing your dreams. I'm just holding a mirror up to like what you actually need. For kids that say they want to be a doctor, I literally print things out and say, if you want to go to Princeton, this is your GPA. These are your SAT scores. These are the, like, here's like, um, or like you can find stuff online. Like, um, like what was somebody who went to, to Princeton? Like what did their transcripts look like? What did their resume look like? What did their application look like? And then having kids match that up and be like, here, let me give you like some real world comparisons of like, this is what you should probably looking, be looking like now. And you're not. So how do we get you there? Not, you're, so you're never going to do it. How do we try to get you as close to that as possible? And I think that that's how you have those conversations with dudes. Uh, JJ Ward is asking. Okay, this this is the last question. My wife said because we got you know make dinner for our offspring. Um, and I have a call with 
letter classroom tonight. Uh, what are I don't know why I'm so stoked about that, but I really like those phone calls. <laughs> what are the things that you suggest someone do? Uh, you suggest someone doing to see if education is truly what they want to go into. Thank you for doing live streams. You are welcome. I'm happy to do live streams. I think if you're not sure if you want to go into education, what I would do is go start volunteering somewhere, whether it's um, like you could do like a summer program, depending on what it is, maybe after school program, maybe tutoring. Um, you probably, you know, even if you're not a trained teacher, you probably know more than a third grader sounds like a TV show, but you could maybe start like tutoring third graders, put something out on Craigslist or on, a, or go to your, some of your local schools and say, Hey, look, I'm, I am thinking about doing this. How might be an interesting way for me to enter in? Like, and then a lot of those schools, you're going to have to get like an FBI background check, which is super simple. You fill a simple form, you put your thumbprint on something. They see that you're not like a serial killer and then they hire you. So what, where can you enter in on that level before you even start teaching? So that's what I say. Good. All right, gang. Sorry, we didn't get to your questions. I sorry if we didn't. To them. I know it really bothers you all the I time. Does. So I, I'm really sorry if we didn't get to your questions, but you can go on the Facebook group and you can ask there. Um, but know that like we are really trying and especially when this many people are watching, it's, it's hard to not answer questions. Um, but look, gang, um, I don't have anything to say at the end of this one. I have a lot of cool stuff coming up. I have so much cool stuff that I wish I could tell everyone about that I'm so thrilled about that it is it is awesome. But I will keep you updated on, on the book situation as that keeps developing. I'm waiting, patiently waiting. Let's hurry up and wait. It's like school. So that's it, everybody. I hope you have the greatest week ever. And that's it, right? Peace. Awkward no. ending, as always. It is it's awkward all the time. And here we go, Diana. This one's for you, Diana Forbes. Peace.